This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MediShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube. Like us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search Unpacking It. And it's so great to be with you on this Tuesday. Normally, we do this show Mondays at 2-ish Eastern. Today, I have uh, escaped the snowbound home that I live in. And we are good to go. So we got some snow in Charlotte. And I live just a little outside of Charlotte. And actually got hit a little bit more even than kind of the city of Charlotte. And so uh, had a nice snow day yesterday. But glad to be back in the office today. And to do this show following a wild weekend in the NFL. And we want to talk about those games. We want to talk about now the, the fresh matchups that we'll get starting this weekend and all the fallout from uh, a lot of big big wins, some tight losses for, for some key teams that are reeling this week, and, and, and looking around, figuring out, okay, who do we blame? And so today, during the Unpack This segment, we will discuss who do we blame and how it relates to our own lives, our, our life of faith, and, and, of course, from a sports perspective as well. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. We'll also do Tap Drill with henry henry's with us today and luke is here as well let's say hello to luke how are you how you feeling we'll talk cowboys we'll go heavy into the cowboys your team in just a little bit but but i was thinking about how you're doing how are you holding up well i'm still mourning uh certainly still mourning um but you uh, i I, I have no words i just have no words in your life, how many playoff wins? I was looking up. Cowboys have three playoff wins, three or four since 1999. I was born in 97, but it has been. Oh, it, I hear about the glory days of Cowboys football. <laughs> I hear about it. I be, I have faith that it happened, but my goodness, have I not even come close to experiencing that. Oh. Now it's it, well. I saw one stat. My boy Jake Delhomme has more playoff wins than oh. uh, than the Dallas Cowboys franchise. So, so uh, people, shout out to Jake. Way to go! I think some people are tired of me saying Mavs twenty eleven. But if you just <laughs> if, if if you take a second and just analyze someone who's been who was born in nineteen ninety seven Dallas sports, you will realize, yeah, twenty eleven Mavs winning it all. Hang on. 
that's the only thing he's received as a as a Dallas sports fan. So, oh man, well we, we're going to talk about the Cowboys and and yesterday, of course, right after the game, everybody's talking about the the final play. I want us to now it's Tuesday, so we'll we'll move it a little bit further down the line. But I do want to talk about this topic of blaming, and this happens whether whether it's the Cowboys or any team following a loss, especially in the playoffs when there are high expectations. And, and so I think there's a lot there. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. I do want to thank our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. We actually did a podcast with them last week. And, and so you can find that on Apple Podcasts, uh, Mark and Marty, and talked about our partnership with them. And, and it's just been, been awesome. And, and really, we just want to help families. MetaShare has helped my family. Uh, it's an affordable and effective way to pay for health care. And so we want to continue to communicate that to you as you look at different options uh, for your own health care. Uh, and so MetaShare, uh, an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. And my wife and I, we have been members for over five years and, and so thankful that uh, they take care of us. So, so check, check them out. Uh, you can text the word UNPACK to the number 201201. So text the word UNPACK to 201201. You'll get a link and, and then you'll be able to find out some more information uh, to figure out if it's the right fit for your family. All right, let's begin today with I'm convinced. And I want to go all the way back to Saturday night because I do not want this team or this fan base to get lost in the shuffle. And I'm convinced that a franchise like the Cincinnati Bengals, they don't need a good quarterback. They don't need a great quarterback. They need a franchise, once-in-a-lifetime type of quarterback. And as of today, it appears that the Cincinnati Bengals have that in Joe Burrow. Because when you look across sports, there are certain franchises that are just historically, they they have a tough time getting over the hump. They're not expected to win championships. They're not expected to win Super Bowls. And and so specifically in the NFL, you know, it's great to have a good coach. They had Marvin Lewis, who I think is a good coach. He he did a nice job there. They had good quarterbacks, Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton, solid quarterbacks. Carson Mm -hmm. Palmer was the number one pick, uh, had a nice, nice career. But they never got over the hump. They never won a playoff game. So in over 30 years, they finally win a playoff game. And it's not because of Zach Taylor. It's because of Joe Burrow. It's not because of Joe Mixon. It's not because of Jamar Chase, even though Jamar Chase is incredible. It is Joe Burrow. I was not a fan of Joe Burrow. I was hesitant thinking, wait, one good year in LSU, is that really going to translate? He is on the path. Now, he still has a long ways to go. But we see this, a team like Milwaukee. They got Giannis. That's not just a good player, not a great player. That's a franchise-altering player. He goes way beyond having Ray Allen or Glenn Robinson. They weren't delivering a championship in Milwaukee. And Detroit, yeah, Matthew Stafford, he looked good last night, right, in L.A. with the Rams. Oh, yeah. Now, the Rams aren't a dysfunctional franchise like the Detroit Lions have been or a losing-type franchise. So they didn't. So Detroit, they're still looking. They, they found a nice, good, solid quarterback in Matthew Stafford. It wasn't enough. So I'm convinced the Bengals, they, they could have – it's, it's looking that way that they found it in Joe Burrow, and it's a game-changer. Uh, for them and for that fan base so shout out to them that's what uh that's what i'm convinced of today what do you think i was thinking today (laughs) the front office certainly in cincinnati deserves some credit i mean it's been like they've put together a good cincinnati team but also 
you luck into a what looks like a generational player, that's just one of those things, hey, consider it good luck. Now let's take advantage of it. Joe yes. Burrow is legit. Now I would argue that it's uh, he's probably going to win comeback player of the year. Well deserving. Torn ACL. I don't think it's I don't think he's as clear as a front runner as some people say, because I think Dak, what he came back from, is unbelievable as well. But Joe Burrow, I mean, that that Cincinnati offense is absurd. Absolutely absurd. So as a football fan, watching them win, how knowing how mean so I, I mean, I'm a big Derek Carr guy. I love Derek Carr. It was it was disappointing to see him lose. His first time ever to play in the playoffs, because the last time the Raiders were in the playoffs, he was hurt, and it was yep. the EJ Manuel show. Disappointing. Uh, so I was disappointed to see him lose, but as a, the sports fan in me, how great it was to see. I, I think I've had it hard. A Bengals fan, 31 years since a single playoff win. I mean, how can you not be unbelievably excited for them? And, and that is so cool to see how they packed the house. That was just awesome. Yes, that was a big deal. And, of course, the joke going around on social media, the Bengals fans have never texted, we won a playoff game. Because <laughs> texting wasn't around back then. So that's True. a very funny True. perspective on that. But, but, but as I really started thinking about it, I was, I was like, you know, franchises like Jacksonville, do they have that in Trevor Lawrence? Because it, it takes so much more than just a, a really good or even great quarterback. It has to go to the absolute next level when you're talking about certain franchises. I would put the Jets in that category. You know, Mark Sanchez wasn't enough. He wasn't going to get them over the hump. Um, and, you know, the Patriots are kind of an interesting team because it really was Tom Brady. Now, they had some success before that. But even as when I was young, the Patriots still weren't that – they weren't on that level, of course, that they are now. Um, and so you just think about teams like that. So, for instance, the Packers or the Steelers or even the Cowboys – they don't need a franchise-altering quarterback. They just need someone that's really good and really consistent. That's why the Steelers won with Big Ben. Now, Rodgers may be that player, and he could have gone to Detroit and maybe turned around. Possibly. We'll never know that. But to step into Green Bay where Brett Favre hands it off to you, I yeah. mean, come on. Come and, on. And I think Peyton Manning was that in Indy because Indy was not a good franchise, and he turned them around then handed it off to Andrew Luck, and then they squandered uh, the Andrew Luck career by not giving him an offensive line. But yeah. Um, but anyway, that's what I've been thinking about. This that was my big takeaway from from the weekend. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's probably too soon to tell. I think that's Trevor Lawrence is the only reason Jacksonville is an attractive spot, and we'll get into head coaching later in the show. But I'll tease it now. I think the only reason Jacksonville has attractiveness for a for a head coach to take that job is because of Trevor Lawrence. If you think Trevor Lawrence is gonna is a generational talent, it is worth putting uh, it's worth experiment I don't know taking the risk to go there because it's it's a historic a risky job a lot of people have failed there but if you have a quarterback that you think this dude is legit it, it seems to be worth it because now we've talked about before many quarterbacks get buried uh and by going to a bad team and they're never able to actually shine but there's a lot of quarterbacks even going to bad teams you see their talent, and the front office says, we've got to do our best to give this guy a chance. So, And I would say, along those lines, I would say a guy that ends up getting buried, like Derek Carr or uh, David Carr in, yeah. in Houston, he wasn't that, that type of player. 
Now, he couldn't overcome it, and so we kind of blame the Texans for that. But, I, like, Deshaun Watson, I actually think, is that type of franchise-altering player. Now, he Certainly. blew it with his offseason, whatever, you know, off-the-field stuff, whatever's going on there, and then also demanding a trade. But think about that. Like, he, he, he was able to turn that franchise uh, in a big way, too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I could go, I could talk about this all day, but it's just kind of an interesting thing where there's just this next level that's required for some of these franchises to finally rise from, from oh. kind of the ashes or, or, or even the Bengals, like they had some competitive years, but it still was never enough. And now Burrow gives them hope that it's possible. True. So what are you, what are you convinced yeah. of? Luke? So last thing we'll get into this later in the show, cause I have some more opinions about some of these franchises, but what I'm convinced of today is expanding the NFL playoffs to 14 teams, an absolute no-brainer. It was, it is phenomenal. It is fantastic. I'm convinced of that. Now, I understand the arguments from the other side. Oh, well, is it just going to be blowout games? Seven seeds are 0-4 in the last two years by a combined margin of 13 points if they're not competitive. Let me offer you this. One, I obviously think a seven seed is going to beat a two seed eventually. It's going to happen. It's not like a 16 playing a one in in March Madness. There's enough pair to the NFL for if you make the playoffs, you can beat any team in the league. But I think the most important benefit from expanding the playoffs is the beautiful chaos we get the last three weeks of the regular season. Mm. Think of how meaningful each game was the last three weeks. Now, of course, when there's only 16 games prior to the expansion uh, of – prior to the expansion of the playoffs, games are still meaningful because there's few games in the NFL season. But the NFL has the fewest, has typically had the fewest teams in the postseason. But now with an expansion, think of the chaos we get the last few regular season games. Now, I'm anti-tie, but besides the point, some of these games, there's different, the playoff bracket looks different each week, and there's there's so much on the line for these games at the end of the season, similar to the NBA play-in tournament. There's there's more incentive to really go for the playoffs because it's 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 realistic shot for more teams. And in addition, there's been a handful of teams that have fired fired their coach after become after missing the playoffs, and they would have been a seventh seed in the expansion. Mm. There's been a Safe handful of nine of of eight and eight, nine and seven teams, even ten and six that have gone away from their coaches because they didn't make the playoffs. But in the expansion, they would have made the playoffs. I think if Jim Caldwell in Detroit, imagine if he was still in Detroit. Who knows? But I what we get at the end of the regular season, I think, is so worth the expansion because think of all we've talked about the last few weeks. The end of the regular season, in the NFL fantastic absolutely fantastic so i'm convinced the expansion was was phenomenal all right so you know i love the nfl and to go along your lines of of putting an emphasis on the final few weeks of the season i'm convinced regular season nfl football is better than playoff football i interesting now i you know the, the championship weekend is strong the NFC AFC championship game where the Super Bowl is on the line. And of course the Super Bowl is always awesome. But the the adrenaline rush that I get on Sunday from one to four, watching I have three TVs, the red zone on my main channel, Fox and CBS when the Panthers are on, and then we get a bonus game. Th- there's nothing more exciting. 
I have to say, when I'm watching the Bucks and the Eagles get blown out or the Bucks blow out the Eagles, that's hard to watch. And then my other option to watch that on Sunday, I was watching Cowboys 49ers from 1994 or five. <laughs> Troy Aikman. I was watching Troy Aikman <laughs> on the NFL Network. So, so, that's, so that's a little bit of a strong take. As I still like, it's not that I don't like the playoffs. They're great. But I still think, especially the last few weeks of the season, to what you're talking about, the intensity oh. and every oh, game. Yeah. I mean, all those games mattered. And it was, I mean, it was nuts. It was game after game, play after play. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. So, um, great take. However, Henry, I think, disagrees with you. So I'm going to give Henry a chance to tell us what he's convinced of in regards to the extra team that, we've, that we now have in the playoffs. So one team gets a bye, and now we have seven teams in each conference. So, all right, Henry, what are you convinced of? I'm actually going to take the opposite approach. I say that the playoff expansion actually kind of dilutes the playoffs because let's take the two teams that were the seventh seeds. We're going to take the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just so happens they're both from Pennsylvania. Um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you saw Big Ben. You saw all the emotion that Big Ben had after the win. I'm not saying that the win wasn't important, but it was important to him that he got to he got to have a win in his what we all thought at the moment was his last game. You saw all of the emotion. You saw the tears that were coming out of his eyes. He was going to walk off on his own, on his own, walk off with the win, walk off on top with all the adulades, with all of the flowers being given to him. All the and pomp then, and circumstance. And there, there you see, Bryce, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All of the pomp and circumstance. Gosh. And then he walks into the <laughs> next week and gets blown out. But he knew it was coming. He knew he it was coming. He put it in he put it out there in the universe. He knew it was coming. Can we get can we get a poll from his teammates on what they thought of those comments? That's good. I, because I, I I he verbatim said we do not have a chance. We're gonna get blown out. Like it's it's gonna get ugly. We have no I, shot. I guarantee there's people in that locker room that felt so disrespected. Like if you are an NFL team and make the playoffs, I think you have a legit chance. You know, I think it's something unique in Pittsburgh because, like, they're such a great franchise. It's Super it's Super Bowl or bust for them, really, and especially as a former Super Bowl winner with Ben Roethlisberger. And I think everybody knew this wasn't a Super Bowl-caliber team, and he wasn't a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback at this point in his career, and I think it was just, like, so obvious that we're, there was no pretending. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know how that translates. or what, mm. that, that would just be my, my gut, gut feeling on that. Um, so Henry's a little hesitant about the extra teams. And then Luke you go you go it. over to the other side, to the Philadelphia Eagles, and then you have a team who's not even sure about their quarterback in Jalen Hurts. As confident as he is, he's like, oh, I've played in big games. I've played in the national championship. Yeah, you did it. Then you got subbed out for Tua. Okay. <laughs> you got subbed out for Tua in the national championship game. And then – Playing in the playing the college national championship as big as that is is nothing compared to playing in an NFL playoff game. And the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts included just didn't really belong there. And now after that playoff, there's even question about him even being the starting quarterback on Philly. So as much as I like all of the drama, and again, like I said last week, give me the NFL 
over any type of reality show. But when you got teams that really shouldn't be in there and they know that they shouldn't be there, a la Ben Roethlisberger, who already sounded like he had his bags packed for Cancun, that just kind of dilutes the playoffs and it kind of dilutes the whole the whole process. So the playoff expansion, at least in the on the NFL level, I wasn't really a big fan of. Okay, no, it's fa- I think it's fair, and I, I think we did see a lot of blowouts. But think about it, Arizona, I mean, they were a great team this year for especially early yes. on in the year. They were the best team in the league, and so for them to get blown out last night, that was a shock. Versus all oh, they, you know, they didn't deserve to be there necessarily. And I would have said a team like the Raiders, they, they had no business being in the playoffs. Yet they gave us maybe the best game of the weekend outside of Dallas, of course. But um, I, I think one winning, thing, but. one more thing is. We obviously we know the reason they expanded. It's because money. You make more money. You the NFL controlled the entire weekend. Game Saturday, Sunday, Monday night, the Super Wild Card weekend. As a fan, I mean, give me give me some of that. That's incredible. Yes. And for them, I mean, we talked about last week. They had what ninety one or ninety five of the top one hundred telecasts in general last year were football NFL football games. It's a no-brainer. So they're they were they were going to expand. I'm shocked they didn't do it sooner. But as a sports fan, if you have an open weekend, it's a fantastic weekend of football. It was it was great, and to have Monday Night Football last night was was fun. And even though the game, I think we have to look at this over a five-year period versus True. just the first year. So I understand Henry's disappointment or frustration. But I, I do lean toward, man, the final three weeks end up being way better, which is awesome. Um, and then it also sets up this year in particular, we have six Super Bowl contenders. Now, I think the Bengals still have some room to grow, right? This is, they're still early in this transition to becoming Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. Uh, we've, we saw that happen with you know, a number of these teams that are now in the mix. Um, and then I would say uh, the 49ers are probably a little bit of a stretch to win a Super Bowl, but I guess you could even put them in there too. But the other teams, Bucks, Packers, Bills, Chiefs, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and then who am I missing? The Rams. No Titans? question after how, how well they played. And then the Titans are the number one seed in the AFC. We always forget about the Titans. They're, they're going to be there. They're going to win the whole thing, aren't they? Um, <laughs> and so that that sets us up for a really good divisional round. True. And you know, I, I keep having conversations with people. Hey, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? It's so wide open. And that's really, really exciting. So I think from here on out, we should see some really great matchups, competitive, more competitive games than blowouts. There, yes. There's always a surprise blowout. Um, but who would have thought Bill Belichick would show up Saturday night and, and get blown out like that in yeah, Buffalo, that was... uh, which that will be Medish, the, the MediShare moment of the week uh, in just a little bit. But um, all right, good stuff from you guys. Henry is working the chat behind the scenes. So those of you watching on Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn or Twitter, leave your comments and, and you'll hear from, uh, from Henry on the chat there and, and he'll post some of the great ones uh, here on the, the actual video feed. Um, and thanks to all of our, our podcast listeners that listen later. And uh, you can always reach out to me, uh, send me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com with your thoughts uh, on the show. And, and so each week we, we jump into unpack this, uh, which is our segment that takes sports stories, relates them to the Bible, relates them to our own lives and, and have a, kind of a spiritual discussion, a faith-based discussion on something going on in sports. And unfortunately for Luke, we've got to talk about his Cowboys, uh, but we'll expand it even, even just to a, a general sense. But I'm watching 
TV yesterday. So I was snowed in last couple days. It was nice to get out of the house today. The pictures uh, of, of little Maddie on Facebook were amazing. Her with the gloves, the, the huge gloves. Uh, oh, amazing. So, you know, we're, the funny thing is I, I, I used to live in New York, so I have some background in snow. And then I spent four years at App State in the mountains where it snowed regularly. And so I'm pretty equipped. Like I've got gloves and I've got hats and I've got, I kind of know how to layer up and everything. Mm-hmm. But Maddie, she's never seen snow in the last two years. And with little kids, like you can't, you can't buy all that kind of stuff. You know, what, what age do you buy it at two years old? And then True. she grows out of it in a couple yeah. of weeks. So needless to say, we were not prepared for Maddie to have the proper clothing <laughs> to go play in the snow. So she is wearing my huge gloves and the poor little thing has little tiny fingers wearing these huge gloves, trying to grab some snow, oh. trying to pack in a snowball. <laughs> impossible. 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 So she made the most of it. She was a trooper. She didn't know any different, um, but we had fun. I tried to get her sledding, a little scared of the sledding. I hmm. couldn't, couldn't get that, get that, get, get well, that going. Couldn't, probably couldn't grip the sides of it. No well, chance you could grip yeah. the sides of it. I know she's freezing because she's wearing. She doesn't even have a you know, s- snow boots or anything. I'm wearing my nice boots that I had and from college. I'm all set. But true, you were her. you were hyping those up. I will say my my lowest moment in the snow is I didn't have boots on a friend's bachelor party snowmobiling, so I wore wool socks, wrapped it in plastic grocery bags, and then put on my gray running shoes. Safe to say, atrocious idea. Toes were absolutely frozen, so oh, I'm sure I'm sure Maddie was probably better off than that. <laughs> Hopefully, she <laughs> she made it. She she stayed out there for a little while. It was, it was good. So, but anyway, I was home yesterday, so I I had the TVs on, uh, and and was kind of getting the recap of ESPN what they were talking about. Of course, they love talking about the Cowboys. They want to talk about the Cowboys year round. But what stood out to me was the word blame and blaming became very prominent throughout the morning. And so here were some of the kind of graphics on whether it was get up or first take how mu- one of them was how much blame falls on Mike McCarthy for the final play of the game. Most to blame for Cowboys exit question mark Cowboys blaming the refs too much. And so everybody had their, their kind of side of things. Was it, especially for the final play, you know, was it Mike McCarthy's fault? Was it Dak's fault? Was it the ref's fault? Oh, the poor ref. They always take, they always take the blame. Um, and so is it Jerry Jones's fault for hiring Mike McCarthy? Knowing we all knew he didn't know how to handle a game clock, a uh, play clock. I mean, he just, time management was not his strong suit. Um, and so there he gets another job, you know, in Dallas. So there is plenty of blame to go around. Analysts want to get to the bottom of, okay, who, whose fault was it? Why did the team lose? And so we do this in sports all the time. It's, it gives us something to talk about. It's, it's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'll pause there, and then we'll talk about kind of the, 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 the spiritual ramifications of it. Um, what, where did you come out as to who to blame with the Cowboys? Uh, I, I little to no blame on the refs. I, the Cowboys performance, I, I'm not sure I've been more disappointed in a team that I support ever. Yes, I, I Embarrassing agree. and disappointed is the word I go to. 14 penalties, ties a playoff season high. 
the self. If you're going to blame anything, blame that. Yeah, it's the loss is you have a very talented team, and you just go out and shoot yourselves in the foot, self-inflicted wounds. You come out, get punched in the mouth, penalties all over the place, absolutely no discipline. So it's the coaching staff for not coaching discipline, and mm. it's the players for being reckless and not having no discipline. Overall, the refs do not get blamed. I mean, the ref was sprinting to the ball. It's I mean, a pretty good on. effort. I got to give it to him. Very it's good effort. Like Very was, good effort. Yeah. And then earlier in the game with the same ref on the ball trying to spot it, that's just because the Cowboys messed up uh, to try to get the Niners to call timeout with a trick play. That was a weird play. But it was an awesome fake punt. Awesome but then fake afterward, punt. it was like, wait, what's happening? What are we doing yeah. here? So, yeah, the refs, no. I, I feel bad for that ref. He's. I hope he doesn't just get crucified with hate mail or things on social media. I think he did a good job. He, it's not his fault. Any, If it's any blame, it's everything on the Dallas side. Again, disappointing, embarrassing, was not fun to watch. So I'm more on uh, the coaching blame than I am on, on Dak. Uh, I agree with that. So, I agree with that 100%. I, I, just, I, I just don't understand. To me, the McCarthy experiment, it just isn't, it just isn't great. They just, when I watch the Cowboys, there is an intangible about them that seems off. And I don't know what I don't know what it is because I've watched Dak over the years. I know what he's capable of. Now the injury, how much did that take away from his game? I don't know, but I, I know that Dak is capable of being a really good quarterback, and I think good enough to take the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. Yes. And I look at the players across the board. It's like there's enough talent there; they can do it. So I, I point to the, the the head coaching situation, and it seemed like Garrett, same thing. It just missed the intangible. And a coach, I think, can can change that culture, and 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 McCarthy hasn't done that. So, anyway, that that that's the 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 baseline for for what, what I want to talk about today uh, in regards to you know where where do we place the blame, and we love to play the blame game in sports, but the reality is this happens in life as well. We we do it so often we probably don't even think about it, right? We you know whether it comes to day to day kind of casual things like. The reason that we're late, we like to blame traffic. We'll blame somebody else. It's always somebody else's fault, right? It's we, our we first. Love... It's our first response. It's it's yes. like it's like an innate. It's just the first thing that comes to our head and comes out of our mouths. Is we blame. point the finger outward versus yeah. versus my bad. And I'll tell you what, I've been trying to teach little Maddie. She's two years old. She already knows how to say my bad. I, I want her early on to to learn that. Because honestly, I'm not always great at it. My my gut response is, well, yeah, well, uh, yeah, it was this person is this, you know, oh yeah, that, that happened because of this or that, and I'm, I'm pointing to something else. Um, and so we we do this, and unfortunately, this has actually been going on since the beginning. Adam and Eve. Here's what took place in in, in Genesis, where uh, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man, Adam, replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And she goes, the serpent deceived me, she, re <laughs> she replied. That's why I ate it. And so here we go. Since the beginning, it, it's the, the blaming. And, and so what do we do with this? You know, why is it important to address or, or evaluate? And I think we have to take a step back and think, okay, what does it really benefit to blame someone else? 
And, and I think, I, I guess what stood out to me in the press conferences too, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott were not really owning their mistakes. Like they may have mentioned something here or there, but, but the overall kind of demeanor was shifting the blame, shifting the blame. Well, I, I don't think that, I don't think it exonerates either one of them no. because they did that, right? No. We, we still saw it. We saw what happened. We still realized their role in it, but I think we would respect them more. We would um, appreciate them more if they owned it and said, yeah, that was my bad. I blew it on that play. Or I should have done this, should have done that. And, and we've learned from it and we move on. That's why we do love when coaches actually say, yeah, I take it on, I, I, I'm, on me today. I, didn't, I, I got yeah. out coached today. And we go, okay, great. Yeah, you did. Now we move on. But to me, it's like when we play the blame game, it doesn't really move things forward. It's like, okay, he doesn't really get it. He doesn't understand what he did. Um, and so, yeah, so that. Which, I, talking about faith, the exact same thing happens. If, if we're casting blame, we cannot move forward. I mean, in regards to our sin, if we don't, if we're casting blame and that prevents us from repenting, uh, good luck moving forward without a That's repentant right. heart. That's right. So I, I think I, I love that you point out, I love that we're addressing, the first thing about blame is, can we acknowledge that that is where our heart goes to 99% of the time, that's where our, our sinful heart wants to go first. So we have to first acknowledge we all struggle with blame. Now, yes. <laughs> but then it's easy to think, oh, well, well, they're a blamer. I'm not a blamer. They're a blamer. <laughs> that's right. Which is then blame again. Yes. And, and so, you know, we just have to realize that shifting the blame or focus to someone else's mistake doesn't exonerate us from, from our our role and, and, and our, our mistake. And, and, you know, when, when it comes to sin, especially, yeah, we've got to own it to be able to move forward. Like, like Luke said. And so you look at what Paul reminds us in, in Romans 14, 10 through 12. Uh, this is the living Bible translation. Uh, you have no right to criticize your brother or look down on him. Remember each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God for it is written as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. Yes, each of us will give an account of himself to God. So the reality is we are all responsible for our own decisions and, and our role in, in whatever takes place and, and anything that we did or didn't do that we had control of, right? So we have to own, we have to own that reality and then own our role in those, in those situations because and, and ultimately we're accountable to God. We'll stand before him one day. And, and so we could try to point the blame and all that, but God knows the truth. And when God was asking Adam and Eve, he knew the truth. He yeah. just was seeing, he was seeing their response. Mm -hmm. So we could try to, we could try to do that. And these coaches and players that are doing it from a football standpoint, we saw the game. We, we know, we know the mistakes you made. True. So, yes. so let's, let's, let's own it so we can, we can appreciate respect and move forward. Um, and so I think all of us would, it's more beneficial in the long run to own it, say I blew it, and appreciate accountability, appreciate confession, and and then that allows us to seek forgiveness, especially when we've we've harmed people or, or done you know done the wrong thing to someone. Um, and so we can be encouraged, you know, what it says in John. But if we can if we confess our sins to God, Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 
So it's, a, you know, it's an invitation to confess and, and make that a part of our lives. Uh, so they're not, we're not hanging on to sin because if we're blaming, then we're hanging on to it. Yes. Um, and then we're not, again, we're not able to move on from it. So I think that's, that's the key message in all of this is yeah. Admit it. I blew it. I blew it. Yeah. That was my bad. That was my bad. Yeah. And again, it's so important because if like when we think who's responsible for our own sin, is it someone else's fault? Is it the situation I was born in? Is it this person doing this to me? No, we're born sinners. And then we continue, we continue to condemn ourselves by our own sin. And out of God's grace, he saves us by faith, but we are responsible for our own, for our own sin. But again, it's our sinful tendency out of self-preservation. We want to preserve ourselves. Our focus is on ourselves. If I acknowledge my mistakes, we can't, that, that goes against our desire to preserve ourselves, to make ourselves look better, to puff ourselves up, to try to please man, all sorts of these selfish goals. If we acknowledge our own mistakes and our own sin, we, that goes against our sinful tendencies. But I, I will say this, as God has matured me by his grace, he's allowed me to confess more often, confess more vulnerably to closer people. It is unbelievable the freedom that comes with acknowledging our own mistakes. Yes. It, it, it's almost crazy. It's one of those things where in regards to our sinful, our sinful desires, we would never, we would never acknowledge our mistakes. We would always cast blame to make ourselves look better. But in regards to living a countercultural lifestyle, according to the wisdom and truth of Scripture, we acknowledge our mistakes first before God and then before man— there is so much freedom in that. Because again, like we've been saying, when you acknowledge, when you repent, when you confess, when you refuse to cast blame, that's the first step in moving forward to then making changes. But if you just blame, there's nothing to change. If it's never your fault, there's no changes to be made, and then you get stuck in a cycle. So I, if, if you're listening today, and it's really hard to confess, really hard to not blame— Listen, I, I can testify, I have had moments like that where all I want to do is blame. Mm. But as God's helped me confess and repent, the freedom, the the growth and maturity, it is so, so worth it. The intimacy with God, the closer friendships, it's, it's a no-brainer to refuse blaming others. Amen. I love it. And really, it comes down to humility versus pride. Because pride is what's in us. That's what that's, that's what you know, boils up, and and so oh, I got to point the finger. I got to blame somebody else because I can't. I, I'm 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 great. I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem like I'm weak or I made yeah, a mistake. I don't want to risk ruined. ruining this reputation I've built that's up. Right. That's right. But in humility, we recognize. Yeah, we we are weak. We do screw up. We do say the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing. Call the wrong play. Uh, make make the the wrong judgment. Let's own it and move on and learn from it. So. Yep. Thankfully, we rest in God's grace. We rest in the forgiveness that he, that he gives us through Jesus. So that's the hope that we have uh, in confession and in accountability and uh, in repentance. So there you go. That's Unpack This today. The devotional went out yesterday, uh, so hopefully you already had a chance to read it and we were able to unpack it a little bit further. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the Unpack This devotional, you can do so on unpackingit.com slash subscribe. That written email devotional goes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and uh, take similar topics uh, and relates them to, to the Bible and our own lives. All right, so 
I want to make sure we get in the MetaShare moment of the week because uh, this was absolutely fantastic. So for me, it was seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> the injured quarterback of the Washington football team, in the crowd in Buffalo in the worst conditions, you know, freezing cold, no shirt on, cheering a former team that he played for. He's I mean, you can't, make, you can't make this up. I, I texted my, my fantasy buddies. Is he the greatest living human? Have we, have we, have we gotten there yet? <laughs> I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is an absolute legend. legend. I mean, the career that he's had, like put him in the Hall of Fame. Put him in. I'm, I'm, I'm all in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> being a member of the Hall of Fame. The wild career, the up and down. And, I mean, have we ever seen somebody, like a, a player in the crowd that like doesn't have a brother? Like, uh, Stefan Diggs has a brother, so he was there you know, cheering him on yeah. um, in Dallas. And so, but, but Fitzpatrick is there. I think it was his own sons. He was there watching with them and then oh. to go viral. And like, it's one thing to be in the crowd, but then you like let people know that you're there. Yeah. And then you're, you're a true Buffalo fan where you're just nuts and you don't even have clothes on. And it's, yeah. it's free. He's not, he's not sitting in a suite by himself. No. Just, no. Oh, I'm here to, to make yeah. myself look good. He was there because he wanted to be there and yes. then embraced the the atmosphere of Bills Mafia. I guess he's not the mafia. greatest representation of a Bills fan. Yes. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He he embodies what it means to be a Buffalo Bill. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They should have never let him go. That's, never. that's devastating. Yes. Bring him back. They need to bring him back. That was tremendous. So that is my <laughs> MetaShare moment of the week. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, check out MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. Uh, to figure out if they are the right healthcare option for your family. And, and so uh, appreciate MetaShare. The, the, the game, though, I mean, that game was over really quick. Uh, the Patriots had no answers for, for Buffalo. And my mom was reminding, of this, reminding me of this. I actually should be a Bills fan. We lived in Rochester, New York, outside of Buffalo. Uh, loose, well, it's probably, it's probably a little further down, but um actually i have no idea where it is in it's close enough <laughs> i take back everything i've just said i know i, know. I don't know we're close enough we were in new york we were we weren't gonna be giants fans or jets fans we were oh. way outside of the city um and so we we were there though when the bills were going to super bowls so at that time we were bills fans but honestly over the years i've just never been drawn to the buffalo bills when they had doug flutie i liked him mm. um and of course, Fitzpatrick is is always great, but I, I just I haven't uh, Josh Allen just hasn't done it for me. But I I I am on board in regards to this team is absolutely a Super Bowl contender. What Josh Allen is doing, there's no denying it. He's mm-hmm. he's unbelievable. People keep talking about him being the most talented. You know his ability to run at that size, have that yes. cannon of an arm. Uh, you know Brian Dayball is getting all these head coaching opportunities. What he's done with that offense. Even Devin Singletary has finally emerged as a as a reliable running back. He's not finally, great, finally. reliable. He's he's been cons- I say consistent, maybe not reliable. Consistent. The last I'd say five weeks anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's done very well. So good for the Bills, and now they get to play the Chiefs. That's I mean that's that's the reality of this year's playoffs. There's no good matchups. You're not rooting for anybody to win. I mean to to now have to go up against the Chiefs. This is going to be a wild matchup 
and the Chiefs looked great too. Uh, that was an impressive game. I mean, they were pulling out all the stops. Travis Kelsey threw a touchdown. Yeah. They, they, that was a statement game for them. If anyone was questioning, are they back? Yes, they're back. But it's, I, I think, you know, when we talk next Monday, unless we get snowed in again, snow's coming to Charlotte again, so we might get snowed in again. But if we talk next Monday, we're going to be talking about the Chiefs or the Bills going home, but I don't think we'll talk about either team like, oh, well, they need to make all these drastic changes. No, those two teams could play for the Super Bowl. They're, they could be the two best teams left. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. It's just one of those things. One of them has to lose. You just have to charge it to the game. It's just a matter of there are some really good teams in the playoffs right now. But, yeah, I, I think for you, one, you're living in Charlotte. So, I mean, it's it's Panthers nation. But also, the last, what, 15 years, the Bills have been buried in that division. 8-8 yeah. eight eight at best. They've almost gone, like, they've almost, to me, it's hard. It was hard to even know that they were there because they weren't, they weren't like the, the Jags. They weren't like the Browns. The Browns, their identity was, were terrible. <laughs> I guess living in Texas, I didn't even think about the bills, but Hey, you've got a team to root for in the playoffs and you have precedent because you technically have been a fan of them. So yeah, I know it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that's the marquee game this next week is, is Bills cheap? I mean, the last year, last year's AFC Championship game. It's like I don't know. Josh Allen is so phenomenal. All the haters that he's overcome, he's not accurate. I remember he was drafted, and there were so many articles from NFL insiders that went to his high school, his JV game passing completion rate. I'm like, are you kidding me? Can this guy? Can this guy get a break? You're going to his JV and JV games completion percentage. And now he is so dynamic with a great defense, a great defense. You have a, at minimum, a really good quarterback and likely could be seen as elite and a great defense. That is the recipe to win a Super Bowl. So I, 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 I agree with you. If they lose to Kansas City, I really hope that the narrative is they need to make changes. Like the narrative should be, they just lost to the Chiefs who have gone to the Super Bowl three years in a row. So, or gone to the conference championship three years in a row, two times in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that, and that's it. And let it just be that. I know. And I would say the same thing with the Rams bucks, uh, maybe to a little lesser degree. Both of these teams are like all in for right now. Whereas the bills, I mean, they're in for right now, but like to me, they're built like Allen's just getting going. He's not probably even in his prime yet. So, oh, yeah. that, whereas Stafford's at the end, Brady, we don't know when. I mean, he might be 65 if, before he's done. But it's like, you know, they're all in, especially salary cap-wise. So, yeah, I mean, it's Super Bowl or bust for both of those teams. You could say, oh, yeah, we'll both run it back next year, but it's going to be really hard for them to do that just with the roster construction. Yes. But one so, of them next Monday, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, that didn't work out for the Rams. They spent all the money to get Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey and whoever else. OJ, OBJ and Stafford and all that, and they're they're at home. Well, let um, me let me ask you this: what team, what which team do you think has the most pressure to win? I would say the Rams. I think Tampa is almost playing with house money absolutely. because they they I won agree. last year. There is no pressure on them. Just go no. out and play. They're almost playing with house money, which is crazy. I think the Rams have the most pressure because they have no assets in the future. They're all in. On winning now, they're going to be really bad for a while. 
for I mean, a that, while. Yeah, yeah like they, Stafford mortgage their future in, in a two, big way. three years. It's going to look bad. Oof, but if you win a Super Bowl, it's worth it. It's worth it. That's right. Now, I was talking to my brother about this. You know, the fact that Aaron Rodgers, as good as he is, an unbelievable all timer, to only have one Super Bowl win doesn't seem to add up. Like, doesn't it doesn't make sense? You're like, wait, what? Really? So, to me, there's still a lot of pressure on the Packers. And what's crazy is the 49ers know how to beat the Packers. They, th- this is quite the rivalry between Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur. And the whole, we don't know what to believe in the offseason, what was true, what was not true in regards to how close of a deal was there with Rodgers actually going to San Francisco. Was San Francisco actually reaching out to Aaron Rodgers? You know, I was reading something that maybe that Shanahan LaFleur, which used to be a mentor relationship, is a little bit strained even because of that. So there's a lot going into that game. San Francisco, I don't think a lot of people were expecting them to even be in this position, especially midway through the season where they were really struggling. They're dangerous. And, and dangerous. so now they knock out your your team, the, the Cowboys. And you know if Garoppolo, if he hangs on, doesn't throw a ton of interceptions, they're in good shape. Uh, he's th- he threw how many? Just one against Dallas. Did he throw one? He threw one. Yeah, at the end. It was a key one. Yeah. Is that the only one Garoppolo? during the day? Yeah. Uh, yes, just one. Which I Just mean, one. Okay. So the key. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, he he can't necessarily overcome. A, a, most quarterbacks in the playoffs can't anyway. But their but model is run the ball. <laughs> their model up. is get a lead and then ground and pound. And that's, that's what it. they did. The Cowboys recipe for disaster was get down <laughs> early. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. But the Niners, I, I heard a stat. They're top 10 in offense and defense. There's only six teams this year who can claim that. I'm saying they've got some dangerous playmakers. Kittle, Debo Samuel, they've got some weapons on defense. I don't, this, it's, you have to take this game. Obviously, they're going to take it seriously to the playoffs, but this is not a snoozer for the Packers. No, and I I don't like the buys if I'm a team with momentum and all that. The 49ers are coming in. I mean, that was a crazy finish to that Dallas game, the energy. So it's either kind of a letdown. The 49ers gave all they had to pull that out. Or it's like, man, we're rolling. Like, let's go. We're playing with house money, too. Um, even though I actually think the 49ers should have a little bit more pressure on themselves. They were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Um, I agree. I don't think we should let Shanahan. them off the hook. I don't think we should let them off the hook that easy. Exactly. They're different from the Bengals who – you know, maybe they're a year early. Exactly. Bengals, you're, you're, talk, that's the most house money. They're a year ahead of schedule. Yes. They can play they're so life. freely. Oh, so the Bengals, talk winning. about a dangerous matchup if you're playing Cincinnati. Well, so Tennessee should, I mean, gosh, they should win. They found ways to win all season long. So yeah. I, I expect them to win that one. Um, I would say the upset I feel most, gosh, it's like the Rams, probably the Rams, but. I'm not. I'm not picking against the Bucks until they lose. Like they're my super. So if anybody asks me who's winning the Super Bowl, well, it's the Bucks until they lose, um, yeah. which I definitely think they're capable of it. But because uh, they are a little banged up. But I'm man, still I'm all in on Green Bay. Just because I think it's got to be the year. We talked about it before this third straight 13 win season. Aaron Rodgers, good defense. It's, it's got to be. If it's not this year. Aaron Rodgers is not winning a Super Bowl in Green Bay. I just don't know how. It's got to be the year. Yeah. I, I know. What will be different next year? It's like, yeah. unless Brady finally leaves. Like, maybe that's his. Maybe. I mean, if it, I guess I am rooting. Well, either way, 
if it's the Rams Packers or the Bucks Packers, I mean, that's going to be great. And if the 49ers somehow pulled the upset, I mean, any, any of the matchups the rest of the way, they're all good. Any, oh. any way you cut it, any Super Bowl matchup, yes. it's going to be great. I mean, there, there is, we are just so blessed as NFL fans this year. And no matter yeah. what happens, we are, we are going to have fantastic matchups. So but good. Speak, speaking of Jimmy G, I still don't understand what they did with Trey Lance. Like, why did they draft him? Because here's the thing. If, if you traded up for that pick, why not try to win now and get somebody that can contribute and help you? I know. I just don't, I can't, I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. I was thinking about that during the Dallas game. It's like, well, they could have used that pick or not traded or I, I just, or put him in or what, 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 what are we doing here? I, like on paper, you think, yeah, next year's got to be Trey Lance. But even but now, if they, especially if they go beat Green Bay, how do you not bring Jimmy G back? Yeah. That's what's so confusing about it. So very anyway, confusing. That's one of my, one of my storylines I'm, I'm just yeah, keeping an eye on for sure. All right. Let, we're, we're running out of time. Let's um, let's bring on Henry, bring him back and do a little tap drill. And we'll cover some of the other topics we haven't had a chance to get to. Um, man, we didn't really talk head coaching today, which I've wanted to get into it more, but we've had so much going on with games and action out, out on the field. Uh, so the coaching carousel, very intriguing. So hopefully by next week's show, we'll probably have a little bit more clarity. Uh, it's almost like we're waiting for that first head coach hiring, and that will be a domino effect a little bit. But I, I'll just say this real quick. To me, Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson and Brian Flores, both of those guys should be the most you know, coveted, which I think they are. But if I'm, if I'm Doug Peterson, I'm going to Denver or Minnesota because they're not that far away from, from making it. From, from turning the corner. And so that, that would be my big Just take. to piggyback off that real quick, Minnesota has got to be the most attractive spot because that division is so weak, especially with Aaron Rodgers in the tail end. I, going, to, going to Denver, you have to play Herbert and Mahomes. Really <sighs> difficult. That's a good point. Minnesota? With Detroit and Chicago, you're at minimum finishing second in that division. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I would, that, that division I, I is very attractive. Been, I would like to see Brian Flores go to Chicago. That, that seems to be the fit in my mind. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. All right, Henry, you take it away, man. Let's do a little tap drill, some other random questions you got for us today. All right, boys. The Manning cast came back for Super Wild Card Weekend, and of all the guests that he had, he had none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson on the Manning cast. So, boys, what is your favorite rock movie? Ooh. Luke, what's, you do? Okay, what's yours? Oh, The Game Plan. So good. <laughs> the Game Plan. I mean, the amount of times I have Not watched that theory, movie. The Game Plan. So, did you hear him say he filmed that movie four weeks after a torn Achilles surgery? Before the movie, he was doing a, he was a rollout pass, jumped, landed, tore his Achilles, got surgery, filmed that movie after Achilles surgery, which I thought was fa- was fascinating. I don't so, think I've seen but, that, that whole movie. Oh, so you've I, got yeah. to. Oh, yeah, it's I fantastic. Think, I I have. Such so, a good movie. Um, I, I'm a, I, the Rock's awesome. Great, great movies. I think my favorite is Walking Tall, where he takes, I mean, he just, he, he stands up for his town, stands up for what's right, and does it with a four-by-four. Um, piece of wood. 
So that's tremendous. Yeah, that's that's uh, gosh, I've seen that movie a lot. That's that, that's my go to. Hmm. If that's on TV, I, it's hard to stop. It's hard hard to stop watching. I stop yes. right there. Yeah. <laughs> I stop right there. Well, as much as as much as I like all the all his big hits like Fast and the Furious and Hobbs and Shaw, the one that I have to and I agree with Shannon. If you see it in the chat, my favorite one has to be Jumanji. I like Jumanji. I've only seen the first one. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, hmm. I enjoyed it. That was a good rock, one. The Rock is pretty much good in everything. All right, so the Manning cast. We've got a whole season of the Manning cast. You can answer this either one of two ways. What was your best moment of the Manning cast? Or do you should we bring back the Manning cast on a regular basis? Well, you know how much I loved it. It was must-watch TV, and I thought those guys did such a great job. I loved the interviews. I... I will say this though. It's almost like I'd rather them just do an interview show because it almost took away. It did take away from the game a little bit. Um, but thankfully they were there for us during some bad games, but like in tight games or games that, that maybe really mattered. I, I still understand the, 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 the distraction of it because they're so entertaining. I can't take my eyes off of them. So, you know, it seems like Peyton Manning's in the mix to own an NFL franchise, specifically the Broncos. And so that'll change things. But the, their ability to get A-list stars week in, week out, True. quarter quarter in, quarter out was was strong. I actually liked Roger Goodell a lot. I know that'll seem seem funny or random, but I, I thought that conversation was actually pretty good. So, so he jumped out to me. So I'll say this. One, I love the Manning cast. I had to adjust, though, because I'm so used to the normal broadcast with commentary after each play, play-by-play guy, color commentary guy. So I wasn't used to watching the game and then also paying attention to the commentary from the Manning brothers as well as their interviews. But last night, I was exclusively on the Manning cast. I didn't even watch the main broadcast. So I love it. I love – I'm on the other side, Bryce. I love when they get nerdy and talk about film and then they just talk to each other. Like the Uh. the pit sweat bit, Eli always making fun of Peyton's pit sweat hilarious i love that i think my only complaint is that it's just inevitable potential cringe moments awkward moments by being on video calls where they're cutting each other off or the rock will go on a a five-minute monologue and then peyton will respond with yeah, Eli, that uh, that cover two they're playing, and The Rock's that like, "Can you respond that, to me?" That, no, you're right. <laughs> oh, that kills me! Come on, acknowledge what they said. Yes, you got to acknowledge it. You got to acknowledge the third down draw oh, play. Brutal. And then, and then The oh. Rock kept saying, "Yeah, I got a question for you guys." And then they went to commercial. And then two, like ten minutes later, The Rock finally answers a question again. Again, there was a specific moment. Where he he has a great response, and then Peyton doesn't even acknowledge. He just goes into a cover two discussion. I'm like, oh and come on, figure it out, dude. Where they no commercials. Don't give those guys. Oh yeah, come on, come break. on. That, now let yes. let Peyton just just have it sponsored by Nationwide and all his other sponsors. Yes, they got that one sponsor. They, they do the one commercial where they they literally have every brand in the commercial. The one with Jerome Bettis. You see yes. that one? Yes. I don't know how they did that. They got like every single brand out there. There must be under yeah. someone's let's get let's get I, it. At least of. like a commercial-free fourth quarter or something. Golf yeah. broadcasts do that. 
but them trying to get in and out of commercials oh. on video conferencing, the interviews, yeah, it's just too it's too choppy. It's too choppy. We got, we got the rock sitting here with the with the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex head. Yeah. Don't go to break. Yeah, what, what are we doing? Every minute oh. of kind the of rock. Bur- kind of burying the lead with the with the dinosaur Rex head. Did you think he actually paid thirty one million dollars for that thing? No way. No. That's I saw something later on that there's a replicate, uh, a replica. Mm. Of that, and that has to be the case. Yeah. You're not spending 31 million dollars on that thing. He's made good money, but he hasn't made that much money. <laughs> My God, to man! Throw away on third. That's not even. An, is that even an investment? Oof. A fossil? I mean, I guess. <laughs> <a little. laughs> All right, boys. One more. One more tap, Joe. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but um, Donna Kelsey. And if you're not too familiar with Donna Kelsey, she is the mom of pro of both Jason Kelsey of the Eagles. And Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. She actually went to both games in the same day and managed to actually even ask Travis Kelsey the first question in the press conference. So Love what do you think of mom going to both games? Impressive. Uh, it's amazing. To me, I always go back to anytime there are two professional athletes from the same family yes. is remarkable. Whether it's a dad and son or whatever, two, two brothers, any combination of that. Absolutely remarkable. Um, and so for a mom, yeah, that's got to be cool. But, she, you know, she talked about the highs and lows of a day. You watch your Eagles get blown out. Then you watch your, your other son with Jason. And then you see your son, Travis, light it up, throw his first career touchdown. So that was all special. It was all cool. I'm a huge Travis Kelsey fan. Uh, so that was that was yeah, great. You got to think Jason Kelsey is getting the last slice of pie at family get-togethers by being playing on the Eagles right now. Like, Travis, you're having a lot of success. Jason, yeah, you get the extra slice of, of mom's pie at, uh, at this Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, let your, let, your brother, let your brother live for a little bit. Let him let him have a little bit of pie. Let him have a little bit of extra pie, mind you, because your team's not going to the playoffs. Because I'm waiting to see Travis get his, and Travis is going to be the Travis will probably be the favorite son going forward again. Probably, I, I agree with you though, Bryce. When there's multiple family members in a professional sport, it's just it's just remarkable. Like, like what T.J. Watt's doing. We thought J.J. Yeah. Watt was good, and now T.J. Watt ties the NFL record for sacks in a season. How How is that possible? It is, it is actually impossible to be a pro athlete, and you have multiple siblings playing in the in, in a professional league together. It's just – it's unbelievable. And it, it needs to be discussed more on how unlikely it is. It's crazy. Yeah. And then they have Peyton and Eli. We can see them every week. Well. 10 games a year. So they're kind of <laughs> they're for their dad to play. Um, well, Henry, great job. And, and guys, l- thanks for adjusting to Tuesday's show. We were off yesterday because of the snow. And guess what? You know, it's really cold here in Charlotte. We got really cold weather. Guess what? My office, 150 degrees. I'm sweating. I'm wearing this quarter zip, a full on sweat. I mean, it's unbelievably hot here. It's like you, you can't, you can't win. You can't win. Well, let's first acknowledge that. You probably like that. When I interned in Charlotte, I have never been in a hotter environment in my entire life. I walked in. I'm I'm thinking, wow, AC broken first day. Really good, really good, really good impression here. Bryce goes, yeah, I keep it at 78 pretty much all the time. 78. Oh, yeah, that's a nice, well, it's hot out. So, so here's the thing: if you dress cold, like you wear shorts and short sleeve. In the summer, then you go inside in the freezing cold air conditioner and you're cold. And so for me today, I was out and about a little bit. And so I was out in the cold. So I have a sweater vest on or sweater quarter zip. 
Well, then I come in the office. You got the heat blaring. Oh. So it's the craziest thing. You can't, you can't, you can't figure it out with the air and what to wear and you're changing clothes all day long. Yeah. So our apartment, we have a flat rate for, uh, for like AC for utilities. Oh, we keep the house chilly. 66, 67 oh at night. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh man. Well, good for you. All right. So anyway, well, I'm going to go, uh, cool down a little bit, go put my head in the snow. Uh, have a great day, Luke and Henry. Great job. Thanks, everybody, listening today. It was a ton of fun. Uh, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Let's not blame people. Let's take ownership. Let's, let's, let's point the finger toward us. Repent, confess, change. And, and rest in God's grace and forgiveness. This has been the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. Lord willing, we'll be back next Monday, 2 Eastern, here on the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.